0: What's up?
1: <laughs> Joey B. We're fucking back, baby. We're back. Long time no see. We're back, we're staying in our parents' old houses that we grew up in.
0: With no yeah, with them gone. Just their new spend houses. about a
1: half hour talking about random talking shit about random people from our hometown. Yeah, you know, sometimes it feels just <laughs> too good to just it's, talk spew it's, shit. It's really nice to know just like in your life that someone's fucked you over and then you're talking to your buddy and he's like oh yeah that guy's like completely dicked me also a total so piece of many shit. times.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. it
1: feels fantastic.
0: I mean you need that. You need that right? Because otherwise you're
1: the, uh, you're the odd man out. I don't think there's anything more validating than find out that you're like the, not the only person that fucking hates somebody. I don't want to say hates. I, I would say like it's more like I just say hate. Has bad experiences. Yeah, has had bad experiences bad. with like somebody's fucked you over time and time again. You're like, why does that guy hate me? And you're like, oh, that guy doesn't hate you. He's actually just a bad person that treats <laughs> literally everyone in his life horribly. It's just
0: an absolute, total piece of shit. Yeah. And yeah, I know. Unfortunately, I feel like there's more of those than I'd like to admit
1: in my life. It sucks. Right? It's like, uh, it's fucking, it's one of the worst things about growing up is just like finding out that too many people that you fuck with. Like, either don't fuck with you as much as you fuck with them, or they're just a douchebag dirtbag, and you're like, fuck. Like, I remember talking to my friend, and I was talking to his dad one night. And his dad's like, I genuinely have, like, four friends. And he's like, and I would like to keep it that way. Mm -hmm. He's like, I had a bunch of people that I came up with, and I just picked my four favorite people, and that's who I fuck with now, and that's it. And I'm like... At the time, I'm like, that's so weird. And now I'm like, oh, my God, I fucking get it. Yeah. Like, yeah. the roster just gets trimmed every year. So so what's your
0: philosophy on, like, that exact topic? Friendship and how many friends you should have. Like, do you ever get jealous that other people have more friends than you?
1: Yeah, 100%. But have you yeah. ever heard the theory, like, it's a guarantee— it's like a law, like a mathematical law that the people that you hang out with are going to be more popular than you?
0: No, I've never there's, heard that.
1: So there's, like, a mathematical law to it that says, like, basically— Just by nature, the people that you don't know and the people that would be mathematically like less popular than you don't have any friends, you really don't know because they don't know anyone. (laughs) Because they have no exposure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So you only know people that know people, which by default brings the numbers, brings the averages Mm -hmm. up and just makes you feel like shit because you only know people that know people. So all like the shut-ins and shit, if you actually knew them and brushed into them every once in a while, you'd be like, oh, I'm doing fucking great. (laughs) But instead you only brush into people with vibrant social lives. So you're just like, what the fuck am I doing wrong here?
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, that that makes perfect sense. Complete sense. That makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, because I guess part of the reason I'm asking is I'm, I guess, kind of like (laughs) dad where I feel like I have kept a very small group of people that I genuinely- Happy
1: to be one of them. Thank you. Absolutely, buddy. Um, I'm
0: genuinely, like, like and like being around and also trust, which I think is a Mm -hmm. huge part of a lot of relationships um, or any friendship, really. And at the same time, though, I feel like that's my own defined, chosen, totally voluntary policy for myself. Yeah. I'm super fucking jealous and feel a lot of regret that I didn't culture or, or foster a shit ton of more friendships. And I see all these fucking people. And like I think social media is also like oh, the bane of all you. evil. It like, ruins the, you The completely. crux of all evil. Yeah, because I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't go to parties like this anymore. Like, why is everybody else at this like 150 person party? And a lot of them are uh, friends from college. Yeah. I'm like, they're having such a better time than I am. Okay, where,
1: where are these 150 person parties? Cause you could report them to the police <laughs> and that would probably make you feel better, dude.
0: <laughs> no, I would never do
1: that. I no, but I that. see what you're saying, man. I'm just like, the thing is for me, you ask me, what's my philosophy about yeah. this? And my philosophy is just to have a bunch of relationships that I'm insecure in. <laughs> and just basically yeah. just fuck with everybody and never do anything about it. And just sort of be like, hey, I don't know if that guy likes me and just feel yeah. that way for a decade. But That's sort of my like, there's philosophy also like, the group life. think part of it too,
0: right? Yeah. Because we were talking about like clicks
1: right? yep. and how
0: certain clicks, it's literally like you're in or you're out. It's binary. Like, and how people no, are
1: 60 years old and they still fucking do this and you'll watch it happen. Yeah. you like, oh, my God.
0: Yeah, and I, I feel like I was the kind of person that never had a click throughout all of my life.
1: Yes, you did. No, I always floated amongst. No, you didn't. In high school, you had a definitive group of people that you hung out with all the time. You completely had your boys, dude. That's true, but then there
0: was still... And I think it's also part of the nature of that particular school. Mm-hmm. It still had a lot of other, like, friends and people that I would hang out with. Like, we weren't mm-hmm. in the same clique, per se. But I still saw you a ton, like, in the library and fucking around. I saw with,
1: you all the time. Oh, my God, that was and, the best. Across <laughs> uh, cross-country, and yeah. I was
0: hanging out with you and Harry. And uh, Harry Lance,
1: the fucking best.
0: So, I mean, I agree. Like, there was definitely a predominant group that I hung out with. But mm. I also felt like I really kind of floated around. And I didn't limit my friendships to only those people. At least I hope I didn't.
1: I always felt like I was just like the kid that was not the fucking cool kid growing up. And I feel like I've kind of like done way better as an adult. Everyone feels
0: that way, right? Dude,
1: but in fucking high school, I was like, God damn, I'm a fucking squid. And I don't know what to do with myself. And then sort of like through college, I showed up at college on the first day. and I'm like, I'm going to be the fucking, (laughs) I'm going to do it. I'm just going to show up and pretend nothing's ever happened. And it kind of, well, let's
0: cut the bullshit too, Bagels. Yeah. High school was without a doubt your like, awkward face. Without a doubt. Like you, your hair did not look like it looks today. Like, I grew a foot.
1: <laughs> I grew a fucking yeah. full foot. I went 5'3 to six, three in a in four years. Yeah. And like I grew so much my bones were breaking. It was fucking terrible, dude. I grew a full foot and then I had four stress fractures in high school. Jeez.
0: Running though. It was from running. running yeah.
1: It was from running, but it was also just from my bones going like, what the fuck? Dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you're growing too fast. Way too fast, fast dude. Yeah. yeah. High school didn't really work for me. I know, but I, Which is a bummer. I never got laid in high school. Like, it just never.
0: You know what? But I would much rather be someone who didn't peak in high school.
1: Oh, my and God. And then
0: has, like, a fucking fantastic adult life Yeah. than be the fucking person that peaks in high school and then
1: is a goddamn
0: loser for the rest of their lives.
1: Well, but it's tough, dude, because we're coming out of it. And we're like, I, I was so ready. I'm like, fuck, dude, I'm 27. I'm only going to be in my 20s for three more years. Like, yeah. let's rip this up. Yeah. And then fucking COVID hits. Well, I, it's probably going to be until we're pushing 29 that dude, is, the world's literally on fire right now. Like it is literally and figuratively yeah. on fire. The collection of fires that's going in San Francisco and all around that right now is the largest massive wildfires we've ever had in North America ever. It's fucking bonkers. I've got a buddy that's fighting it right now. It's crazy. Really? Yeah. So dude,
0: tell us about that.
1: Holy shit. So this kid was a lifty. And again, like one of the benefits of like moving to a new place, I moved to San Francisco a year and a half ago. First place I've ever moved in my entire life where I knew, zero people yeah so it freaked me out you know and i would move up there and i got a ski pass and i would drive myself by myself to the mountains for four hours i would stay in the lodge and this is when was this so this was like 2018 2019 okay so this is when you
0: first moved to california
1: it's insane Yeah. and just like to put into perspective how nuts the weather is out there basically so in february of that year we had the most snow we've ever gotten yep 303 inches in a February. Jeez. So an average of 10 inches a day for a whole month. That's crazy. February 2020, two inches. So the weather's just bipolar there. You yeah, never know yeah, what's yeah. going to happen. So my buddy's working up there. He's like the assistant manager of this lodge or the manager of this lodge. And he's doing all that. And then COVID hits and he doesn't really know what he's going to do. And he's like, fuck it. I'm going to go fight fires. So this kid went from just being this like pot smoking hippie lodge manager to basically on the front lines of probably the most important fight in the country. Dude, right how, now. Do
0: you, how do you make that transformation like transformation, though?
1: You just be a psycho. Like he's probably the chillest dude I ever called, like I've ever I've ever been friends with because I talked to him on the phone the other day. And he's just like, up, man, you got any good podcasts? I'm like, I just saw your Instagram, dude, like you're in the thick of it right now. Like <laughs> everything around <laughs> you is on fire. Why do you sound like this? He's like, no, dude, we're going to be we're going to be fucking fine. Everything's cool. And I'm like. I really don't believe you <laughs> at all, but, like, good for you. Dude, that's the kind of person you need fighting fires, though, right? He's a fucking savage.
0: Because I'd be the person there that's there showing up every day on the front lines. Like, we're all going to fucking die today, boys. So let's all, who else is Catholic? Let's pray.
1: Let's do uh, it, yeah.
0: Lord, please accept us in the heaven because we're all going to fucking burn, boys. Yeah. We're all going to burn. And yeah. no one would appreciate me.
1: Nobody would appreciate it. You just gotta send it. Those guys are just like fuck it, bro. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> no, some of them are real animals, dude. I met this dude at a bar one time that was a—he was a wild fi- wildlife firefighter, and he just happened to be the guy that they put on the front page of the New York Times when they came to photograph. And I was like, yeah. dude, you must get so much pussy. <laughs> like, <laughs> what he said? Just whip that out. He's like, you're not wrong. I go, okay, <laughs> fuck yeah.
2: I love it.
1: But nah, dude. The world's on fucking fire, man. I mean, like everybody's losing their jobs and shit. Unfortunately. Haven't told you this yet, myself included. No way. Yeah. Friday. Get the fuck out. I got laid off on Friday. This past Friday. This past Friday. And when's
0: it effective as of?
1: Um this past Friday.
0: So it was like day It was off.
1: just like a cut and run type situation. It's dude, I've I've lived sort of an interesting life over the last few years doing this contracting thing. Yeah. I don't know why I keep having to burp. It's disgusting. I'm sure your audience appreciates that. <laughs> but dude, We're leaving those in. Let's leave it in. We're Fuck totally it. Dude, it these little it. heavens are fucking getting me going. <laughs> yeah. No, but basically uh, I'm working as like this independent contractor mm. and it's allowed me a lot of awesome opportunities because like you get paid a decent amount. If you don't want to work, you don't work, but you don't get paid. Yeah. So like if some comedy shit comes up, I just don't. I just go, hey, I got to take this time off and go do this and I'll lose money, but whatever. Who yeah, cares? Yeah. And so it allows you to work for really big companies at roles that you're really not prepared for. I got on in this like since six month contract, I kept getting extended, kept getting extended, but the yep. fucking reality and brutality of being a contractor is when there's some sort of situation where they go, okay, we need to cut a couple guys. They go, uh, Bagley gone. Yeah. Boom. So all of a sudden yeah, I'm unemployed. See, yeah.
0: You need to get rid of your overhead and it's just literally, it's as easy as tomorrow. It's as easy.
1: Yeah. You just snap a finger and it's done.
0: So for context, for listeners, Tell us a little bit more about like contract employment, but actually more specifically in your case. So yeah, so you're I've got a, a coder, weird life. You're a coder developer. Yeah. You moved to California, into Silicon Valley, essentially. Yeah. And worked for some of the biggest fucking tech companies in the world. Yeah. Doing this contract work. So I guess for everyone's benefit, tell us a little bit more about what that life is like. Also... What is the benefit for these companies? Like, why are they doing the contract employment?
1: So, basically, what happened with me was as you know, I went to school for economics yeah. and I actually studied Chinese too. And I was like, I'm going to be badass. Like, I'll be a <laughs> fucking business. I'll be in business. I'll learn how to speak Chinese. I'm going to be great at this. And basically, what happened was when I graduated, I had an economics degree. So, the business majors were better at business than me. So, I was already yeah. in last place yeah. in the business department. Yeah. And then when it came to Chinese, the Chinese English. People, the m- people who moved here from China. Yeah, obviously well, we're a lot fucking further ahead in Chinese yeah, than you. Well, their English was better than my Chinese by a long oh. shot. You know, like they could <laughs> converse at like a me and you level, but yeah, I yeah. could be like, I would like to order some dumplings, please. <laughs> and it sucked. So I needed to pivot. I learned how to code and shit just sort of like taken off. I've, I don't know. I, I do pretty well. And learning well. to
0: code. So, t- uh, How did you learn to code?
1: So basically I had never written a line of code in my fucking life. And I went to one of those boot camps where the, you go in, you study for 11 weeks, and they kill you.
0: It's, yeah, it's like and you found this
1: thing online. Found it online. Okay. I read about it in um, in Bloomberg Business Week while we were skiing. Oh, we were, we were yeah. actually going to ski stone naked that day, <laughs> and so we're all riding up naked in the car. And I'm just like, "Hey,
0: that's your most productive thought you've had probably <laughs> yeah. in your life so far."
1: <laughs> and we're just in there, and I'm like, "I'm gonna go to this business school, this business coding school," and they're like, "Shut the fuck up!" And then <laughs> I did it. So it was kind of wild. But basically, I ended up going to this camp. It makes college look like a fucking joke. It really makes you realize like yeah. how much of a waste our education system 11 is. Eleven weeks. Eleven weeks. Got everything I needed to have a job for the rest of my fucking life. But basically, I moved to California to work for a big tech company, one of the big ones. Um, starts with an A. Um, makes some of the equipment and with that, an e, yeah. that tastes, tastes like an, <laughs> an Yeah. Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> <that fucking laughs> it. Was- I don't know. I've tried to get around <laughs> it. Yeah. So I worked for a contracting agency that worked for them. And I basically do this thing that allows me to do short-term employment with all these people. Um, it's great. You make great money. But the fucking brutal part, the other side of the sword is sometimes you end up unemployed in the middle of COVID. Yeah. and You're like, fuck. <laughs> so,
0: so why does like this was actually honestly, when you first told me you are going yeah. to work for under contract employment, this is the first time I'd ever even thought about, oh, shit, like does that, too. Yeah, um, I would have never in a million years thought that. And then you've gone and worked for other really large tech companies that mm-hmm. are of similar prominence, and you would think the same thing. So what? Why does do this? And like, how large is this contract? Oh, it's, it's an pool? enormous
1: business. It's huge. Yeah. I know guys that like you can get really good people. Like I know this dude who's got like a masters in computer science and mechanical engineering, and you yeah. can hire him for X price. Yeah. And basically, what it is is you've got to pay the contracting agency what you pay us. So it costs you double. Yeah. But the simple trade-off is you're going to pay double, but you can get rid of these guys whenever you want. It's basically just like a fluctuation in demand, right? Yeah. So if you have 10 guys worth of work, and then all of a sudden you have 12 guys worth of work and 10 guys. Yeah. But you know that it might go back down to 10 at some point. You're just like, fuck it. Let's bring in two extra guys. Of course, at grand scale, that's a million people. Yeah, you bring it up to 1.2 million, but how embedded can
0: you really get into like their processes and their way of doing? And like, you're not like trained on the value system, are you? Hell
1: no. So like, dude, does that
0: conflict with their own company culture?
1: So we're
0: totally gonna bleep out the brand, by the way. Yeah, we have to to, in order to talk about this. Yeah, we we
1: totally gotta. We we will. We will. We will. will. But basically, what happens with is it's such a walled off company that you go there. You're moving to Cupertino, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just where the headquarters is. And you're like, oh, I'm gonna be brushing arms with <laughs> The company grew so big that when they built that <laughs> the most expensive office building, oh fuck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a dead giveaway. Yeah. We, we can bleep out everything else.
1: Okay, so basically the thing is when they built this very large office building, yeah. they filled it almost instantly. Like when they built the building and when the construction finished, every office in that building was already assigned. They were good to go. That's how quickly they scale up and that's how many people they need to get the job done. Were those new
0: people or was that like moving people into from satellite offices moving and the, shit?
1: Moving the biggest and most important people to one central location, yep. moving the second biggest people to the other spot where okay. they used to have them. Yep. And then basically they're so fucking big that they've got just warehouses rented out where they've gutted the warehouse and put desks and stuff in.
0: I know. I, I drove yeah. around. I visited them in, um, this is a long time ago now, five years ago in 2015. And I was driving around their neighborhood and I was like, holy shit, there's full industrial parks that would be in the Northeast, like 10 different companies in there. 10
1: different companies. And they
0: own the entire industrial park on the right side of the street, then the left side of the street, and you just keep going down the street. It's insane. And everywhere you look, it's their brand. And I'm like, I also was like, a lot of these are shitty looking offices. I'm Terrible like, who office. does what in this this office? Dude,
1: so they're so packed up and they, they hire so many people that as a contractor, you don't even have a desk. So you're basically just like floating, floating around, around. You're working out of cafeterias and stuff. You have nowhere to sit. And you're asking, like, how ingrained in the company culture are you? Like, how much do you actually know about what's going on? Zero. Absolutely nothing. You don't know what products are coming out next. You don't know what they're working on. It's basically like I was working on a tool to recommend products on the website. That's it. And they just, what do they
0: give you? Like a written briefing on, okay, here's the issue, or here's what we're trying to solve with this particular
1: piece of Pretty much. code. Well, somebody else solves the problem, and then they give you, the problem and they say solve it with the code got it so that's what it is got it and who do you report to just one of their people yeah one of their people pretty much
0: that like manages contractors or like
1: that runs a team manages teams you basically just become part of the team for a short while which is why the contracting thing's kind of ridiculous to me at the end of the day because like how we all know like when you're fucking working a job it takes a few months to figure out what the fuck is going on that's what i'm saying so like how much how much benefit are you in six months can you really be shit
0: I guess that that's where, and that's part of the, all the probes I've been asking is, does the elasticity of this model really make sense? Because there's a way of doing things, like there's a way of shipping and deploying, like not everyone like even works mm-hmm. through sprints the same way. And I know very little about software, but I've worked at enough software companies to know some basic terminology. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, even just like dev methodologies, like all of a sudden you go from being a scrum master to a whatever, like, yeah, like
1: then you're confused. Is there
0: that much less? And then there's, it gets deeper into like the brand. So the value system and all of the things that kind of the ethos that surrounds the work that you're doing, no matter how tactical you can break it apart and do it. So and I how would say no matter
1: what's going to happen is like the first couple of months you'd be there, you're going to be confused as fuck. You're yeah. going to be stupid, confused. And then it's going to take a little while for you to scale up. So if in order for you to be a success, I would say you got to stay there at least a year. Otherwise it's just like, oh, hey, we brought this guy in for six months and then. Fuck in your him. experience, how often do people typically stick around for contractors? Yes. Yeah. I've seen guys stick around five days and then get a better offer and bounce. Really? Happens all the time. What about on the longer side? I've seen companies where they've got contractors who have had the fucking contractor badge for like three or four years. In my case it was a year and a half. It was a, just a, that's so crazy and so it's who's, pay, nuts.
0: who's paying the healthcare? care like, do you get healthcare? Oh anymore? no,
1: you. I'm seven fifty a month out of pocket for me.
0: Get the fuck out of here! Yeah,
1: dead ass. But well, you're so. This is the crazy part. You're it's working crazy, you're, right? For all these companies, you've worked a full time job. Yes, for at least
0: forty hours a week. Yes. So you're not getting their benefits because you're not a full time employee. You're an yeah. independent contractor. Fine, you're a ten ninety nine employee for them. Mm-hmm.
1: But you are being staffed through this other agency. I'm a W two for them, but then they hire me. I'm a W two for but the. But how Earth. do they
0: not have to give you health care? I don't know. Or they're giving you, or they're sponsoring the health care, and you're just having to pay all of it. I have to pay 100
1: percent of it. It's bullshit. It's fucking bullshit. Well, it's That's not a terrible
0: bullshit. deal. It's not a terrible deal because they pay you like fuck crazy. Yeah, because it factors in that yeah that you have to pay out of pocket.
1: Yeah, basically, it's just uh, it's interesting. A fucking great salary, but you get. Every other aspect of it is not as good.
0: So for you, Uh would you want to take another contractor job or would you? Hell yeah, I would want to take another contractor Versus full time.
1: Because what it is, is like, I kind of feel like I'm sort of in the dating portion of my relationships waiting to commit for marriage. Interesting. You know, like I don't want to work for a company full time unless I love them and unless they're the people that I want to work for for the rest of my life. You know, my, my first job out of school, I loved those guys. Like I really cared for that company and I really care for the people that I contract for too. But if I'm going to work full time, it's like, I want to fucking love you. I want to live and die for this fucking company. And so, yeah, if what, I'm, if I'm pledging to join on, I mean, I'm going to want to do something where I'm going to want to be there for five plus years. What, it, what does it take for a company to qualify for that level of commitment? I don't know. I have such weird, it's it, my standards with like what company I would want to work for full time are just as incoherent and like out of line as my relationship standards for women. <laughs> like they just don't make any sense. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I've been yelled at by my parents for breaking up with girls before. They're just, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> really? Yeah. Cause, like, they have, Cause they really liked them. Yeah. Cause they were just fucking smart. And yeah, there was one girl that I went out with. A little bit, and I was calling my parents and telling them about her. And then uh I broke up with her, and they were just like, "You're a fucking moron." And I, I, I know I'm really stupid. That. Hey,
0: Dad. Kevin just showed up.
1: Kevin, that was the guy that we were talking I all that shit scared about. Scared the living. <laughs> no <in case laughs> <I'm> kidding. <laughs> that was creepy. For for reference, by the way, we are in Jay's empty house right now. We're the only people here. Am I just running the show here? Should we pause for a second? Okay. Cool. The other yeah. day, like just yesterday, and I just got a wave of depression, man. Cause I was like, damn, we used to have so much fun. So no, like, you
2: hated it, you hated it. I up the call. Joe I Begley, fucking hated
1: lane. it. I know you did. But in Joe retrospect, Begley, I love it.
2: But it was like this: Joe Begley in lane five, and they would say, "He's not here." Well, where the hell is he? He's still Joe Begley playing. Then I used to say to the people, "It's not going to make any difference. That lane's going to lose anyway." <laughs> it was you, Boris. Boris had no care in the world. He was like eight feet tall. The kid could have made one stroke.
1: Yeah. The, <laughs> He's a big and he, kid. He,
2: he hate, and he hated it. He hated bars. He hated it. Well, like, we wouldn't
1: show up to swim practice. We would miss meets, and we were like sixteen already, cutting class and shit.
2: Yeah, you know. But still, Joe, you were funny though. Oh my god, you
1: didn't give a shit when they said go. No, you were still on the deck. <laughs> <laughs> you should work that into your routines, Joe. No, so if like do the conversation- all right, so you're on the podcast right now, so we got to tell people what we're talking about. So back in the day, all right, all right. we did this swim team, and Mr. DiPietro, Mike DiPietro Sr., was the uh, was the announcer of all the meets. And so basically what would go down is we'd get on there, and he'd have all these like crazy announcements and stuff. He'd come up with wild shit for everybody. We had a wicked oh, yeah. good time.
2: You know, the funny thing, Joe, is they used to sell hot dogs for 2 bucks, right? Yeah. And, the, uh, and they never could sell any. So I used to always say, we have a special today on hot dogs. <laughs> two for $4, <laughs> come and get them. And they would be like running up in line to get their two for $4 hot dogs. You know? Yeah. I
1: think That's your retirement career is like, I think you should be the, uh, the announcer for like a double I A baseball should, team or something. I, or, I think you, know, you got to get in negotiations no. with the yard goats and do the home games. game. Oh, I, yeah, that'd be that'd be be I
2: think, I think I should go back to the country club and do the, uh, announcing again. Because every time I announced, we always won. I mean, you know, come
1: on. Well, we <sighs> always they won, too, because we were a country club swim team, and we had a bunch of kids that ended up doing D1 wow. swimming, and a few kids <laughs> yeah, yeah. that went to the Olympics, uh, so we were just like, fuck up I, all the other I teams. I know, but my
0: dad swears I, that, um, was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're
1: such <laughs> an out, asshole. Okay, <laughs>
2: they would give me the score I would always read it the other way. swears he wasn't so was not good back then. He was
1: good back then, right? He was good yeah, back then.
2: Like, yeah. yeah, but Jay, you were a nit. Jay, you were so fast. Oh my god. You were like You were, Jay. You could go
0: to Compared to a bunch of, of kids who only swam in the summer and and had No, never- but there
1: were some like Olympic level kids. I was probably there the were. worst on the team cuz skin and bones don't float, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was rough.
2: But you- you 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 didn't care. That was the nice part about it. Everybody took it so seriously. You were like, oh God! I rather just play dodgeball up on the hill, you know, be on the deck, you know. And like you know, I used to say lane five, you know, That was a slow lane. Uh, we've got <laughs> Boris and and taking up the rear, Joe Bagley. <laughs> so by the time, by the time Lane One had already touched with their fourth kid. Poor Joe was just going in the water. <laughs> I think the girl he had just shown finished. up. Call him out! Call him out! He doesn't have to finish. We're already, we're already lost. No, but
1: I remember there was one year where, like, I uh, I cheated by accident. Whoa! Because because yeah. I had a I had a lapse in memory. This was so we had like the seventeen and unders, and I remember one year like most of the kids had stopped doing it, so I had a chance. I was probably like the sixth best swimmer, and I somehow got in go. the final flight. Right, yeah. and so I jumped in on the final flight. And I was doing the breaststroke and I forgot. And I thought it was the butterfly. Yeah, and so I, I did it. about it did like 10 it. butterfly kicks underwater. <laughs> and then I realized I was like, oh shit, this is the breaststroke. So I took the pole <laughs> and then I hit the kick and fucking nobody noticed. And I got third place. And I was so <laughs> psyched third place in the whole conference. <laughs> I was like, booyah, baby. <laughs> Let's go. She's cheated my ass up.
0: The worst. Oh, my God. Backstroke.
2: And you were doing the breaststroke. Oh, oh. heard the word stroke. I the <laughs> stroke. The
0: backstroke. No one told me what we were doing. Everybody I thought over. I was just
1: having one, dude. A childhood stroke. <laughs> uh, I've, def- oh. I've
0: definitely had some times where I've um dived off the block and been underwater and been like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it happens, <laughs> it- broke, dude. It's- it's- I forgot. I-
2: what am I doing now? Oh, my God. You guys are funny. You guys were really fun, though. You made my life. Jay told me he's traumatized by swimming. I'm like, oh, I had so much fun as as a parent, and then I'm like, he hated soccer. Oh, glad you he enjoyed it. <laughs> he hated everything. <laughs> he hated Halloween.
0: No, Halloween was great. <laughs> Halloween was great. He hated right,
2: Halloween. You know?
1: Halloween was <laughs> sick. Jay's like fucking head.
2: Oh, oh. Hey guys. Mike's leaving, I gotta say goodbye. All right, all right, we'll all talk right. to you later. Hey, we'll Thank see you, you later. Hey, don't air this, you know. We don't want anybody to know we cheated. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Sorry, <laughs> Trump, hey, wait a minute, here's my disclaimer. Trump does, so that's our only reason why we can't. There we go. That's right, that's right. All
0: right, we're back. Are we back? Let's do it. Okay. I spilled a truly all over my computer and we had to restart. Everything. We had to run it from the top. We had to run it from the top. We we're started up. a new track. So bagels. Yo. Joey B. The, the Joey B. The only. What are we talking Actually,
1: about? Actually, what, what the fuck were we talking about? We're talking about contracting and shit, but fuck that dude. But not just
0: that. Like let's, let's talk about some other shit. So you're a comedian no, too.
1: Yeah. That's what I was going to say is fuck contracting. Cause like, the, the whole reason I was doing it was so I would have more time to do stand-up if that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I haven't written a joke or written any stand-up in the past month. And so when all this happened and I got let go, it's like, fuck it. Like, we're back on. Like, let's go. Let's start focusing again. Because that's what I want to do and that's what I fucking care about. And I just haven't put any effort into it lately.
0: So for listeners of, I guess, both of our podcasts, as we're going to share this one across both. Let's do it.
1: Dual stream.
0: Back it up. Dual stream. Back dual, it up and tell a little bit of your origin story. Because you're, you know, you're not new to stand up by any stretch now. You've yeah. been doing this for years. It's been about three years. But so. what is, um, what's the deal? How'd you start this one of these?
1: You know what? Fuck it, Joey. We're packing dips. I'll do a long, fucking dippy. Long story short, basically what happened was uh, I was living in Boston. This was like 2017. And I was just sort of floating around. And I knew that I wanted to do something besides just work. And it it was just too much, just being a fucking regular ass adult, coming off work, yeah. coming home, having a couple pops with the boys, going to the gym, going to sleep. I couldn't do that every day for the rest of my life. And um, I I've been listening to a lot of comedy podcasts, been listening to Burr, been listening to Rogan, and I just said, you know what? Fuck it, I got to try this for myself and see what it's all about. But did
0: you always have that bug? Because I I've known you my entire life, mm-hmm. and you've always been funny. But I would have never in a million years said Joe Begley is going to have the stand-up comedian bugging him?
1: I, dude, I had no sort of inclination towards it at all until about, like, 2014 I started thinking about it. I wanted to do it in college. I didn't have the balls. So I've wanted to get on stage since then.
0: But what, 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 what was that first thought? Like, I want to get on stage and tell jokes.
1: So here's the thing. I think there's a lot of comics, and they go, oh, I've always wanted to be a stand-up comedian ever since I saw Rodney Dangerfield on television. And I think there's a lot of people that feel that way, but I think a lot of people just say that because they feel like they have to. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, like, I've always liked performing me and you played in the jazz band. Yeah. Together. And uh, I I fucking dug it. I I always like playing music and I've never thought I I've always, you know, if I could be anything in the world, I would be a fucking rock star for sure. But I don't have the talent to do it. I really don't (laughs) think so. The bassist. Yeah. I'm not a good enough bass player to make that happen. And I've always like. I've always had some decent success cracking jokes and whipping it around. And I was like, fuck it, let's do it. So I did stand up with the intention of it just being a hobby, like fully. I never thought that I could go professional with it, but I wanted something to do when I got off work. And so I just started going to these open mics in Boston. I really didn't pick up any traction. When I left Boston, I came back to Connecticut, started doing it more. Things started going pretty well. I was doing it like five or six times a week. And then I go to California. And when I went to California, shit just started happening that – I couldn't have expected. So basically what went down was one of my favorite comedians on earth. This guy, Doug Stanhope. I think he's one of the best of all time. Yeah. Like top five all time for me. Shot him an email being like, Hey, heard you're coming to town. I'm going to be there no matter what. But uh, if by any chance you're looking for somebody to be on the show, here's a clip of me. When was this? This was like 2019. Okay. it's like last year, last year and I go, I fully don't expect you to watch this at all. Either way, I'll be there. Have a good day, you know? And he shoots me back an email and he's like, I'm fucking hammered, but I watched three minutes good enough. <laughs> and so I was like, oh shit, dude. So all of a sudden I'm going from doing these open mics to I'm doing 20 minutes opening for one of my heroes. And I'm two years into and comedy. And that's the
0: longest set you have, you had done at the time. I've done, I've
1: done like, there. the nice thing about San Jose and like living not in San Francisco or a major city or anything would be, I would be doing these shows or these open mics. And what would happen is, I'd be doing it, and they'd, they'd go, hey, man, um, we want you to just basically fill for the next guy. So they'd go, we got somebody coming. This guy said he's going to be here in a half hour. Can you just try to entertain the crowd for a half hour? Yeah. So I was doing 30 minutes of material when I had 15. So I was geared up. I was ready to go. I had 20, 30 and What do you do with material. the extra 15?
0: You just fucking make some shit up?
1: I would make shit up. I would do jokes from the first year of stand-up. Yeah. I would do literally the first joke I ever wrote. I would just make things up. I would tell a story. Yeah. You're winging it. But that taught me how to do it. And just coming out of these like shitty scenes really sort of made me better. Because if you're coming out of New York or LA, it's sort of this depressing slog where you're lucky if you get three minutes at a show. Yeah. I was doing 20, 30, 40 minutes all the time. So yep. I was fucking ready. Mm-hmm. But very nervous. And I'd never done... 20 minutes in front of a 500-person sold-out crowd. That's yeah. a fucking different ballgame where everybody's yeah. everybody's paid $50, $60 just to see. I've seen blurs. these
0: pictures, dude. Like, these too. Like, these like, are swanky-looking clubs, too. Like, this is not the basement of fucking Dangerfields in the Upper East Side, which, no offense to Dangerfields, just a legendary place, yeah. is a total fucking shithole.
1: How much of a trip was seeing that in Joker, by the way?
0: Oh, I didn't even notice. In the new the, the Jocelyn
1: Phoenix one? Yeah, when he's bombing, that's at Dangerfields. I have to watch it again, dude. Honestly, it's I fucking crazy. I, I like, zoned out through half of that movie. It was yeah. so boring. It's a boring fucking movie. I wasn't
0: movie. expecting it to be like so heady. Yeah. It's a I was fucking like, where trip. does she what where does she start fucking murking people? I never even made it to the end where supposedly all the action happens.
1: Yeah, it's a slow slog. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that one. Anyways, that's But anyway, so like Jay was saying, basically the first Jay came to my first club show ever, and that was in New York at this place that was called a, Danger oh, great show. You fucking crashed, by the way. I, I did good, but we were performing in front of my friends and family because you guys were the only people there, basically. And oh, so no. yeah. there were okay, 30 yeah. people okay, and yeah. I had 15 of them. So I okay, was in yeah. the bag. I was good to go. But the thing was, like, I went from doing that to all of a sudden I'm at the biggest, baddest club in Northern California. And I'm like, I got to bring the fucking heat tonight or I'm going to die. Yeah. Like, this is where, like, Bobby Lee, fucking Ari Shafir, Bert, all these people come to. Unless you're playing an arena, unless you're playing where the San Jose Sharks play, this is yeah. where you're fucking playing. Yeah. Crazy. So I did well and then he recommended me the club and then that goes by a whole another nine months goes by. I'm working the club regularly. I'm starting to do like 20 minutes, six times a weekend. If I get booked on the weekend, doing a bunch of comedy, I'm getting good. Come back here. We tape that thing at the elbow room. Yeah. I posted on how many
0: nights a week are we talking here or I'm nights a
1: a year stand up. I think I got 320 shows in 2019. Dude, that's ridiculous. It's crazy. This, that's what 90%. I can't do 90, 90% fuck. of days, basically. So, I'm, I'm in my fucking life, and that's what I wanted my life to be. So, I was like, if I'm gonna do this, I don't fucking half ass shit. I'm going all in, you yeah. know, I'm diving in. And so, I get to January of this year, we tape this thing at the Elbow Room, <laughs> I post it on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Basically, here's what happened at the elbow room. I paid this professional photographer, this prote- professional camera guy to come and record this professional quality show.
0: By the way, the elbow room is a tiny bar, not tiny, it's actually a good sized bar, but in West Hartford, Connecticut, yep. um, right next to Hartford. It's where like, a lot of people go just for drinks and whatnot. And this particular event Joe's talking about was in their basement.
1: Yeah. So it was in the basement. It seats 74 people. We had to squeeze it to get the camera in. Oh, yeah. It was fucking tight, man. It was wicked tight. So we packed everybody in. We got this camera thing going. And you know, we had the party at my house the night before. We had a huge party at my house. <laughs> yeah. I was up till three in the morning, hammered, drinking with like some people from my hometown, the people that I fucking like and love from my hometown.
0: What oh, was that Thanksgiving? What was that?
1: That was Christmas. Christmas. Okay. So it was basically just like Christmas Eve. Go out, get drunk. Christmas Day. Go out, get drunk. 26, had that enormous party at my house, blow out till 3.30 in yep. the morning, hammered, go to sleep, wake up, come to this show. I'm hungover. I start drinking again. I crush for about nine minutes and then proceed to just be mediocre. So this thing that I- would It's a tough evaluation.
0: I was there. I thought it was really
1: good. Thank you. I appreciate it. But like, Through the end. I, I'd been murdering all year and then yeah. I came up and did okay. Yeah. And for me to do okay in front of my friends and family, I was like, fuck this. Well, let's be
0: clear though. You also, out of nowhere, had a major league comedian show up on that stage Oh, fuck.
1: I forgot to say this. Yeah. So what happened that night, too, was we had like this tight little lineup lined up. I was going to go, Okay, we're doing 45 minutes of comedy. Then I'm getting in. I'm closing it out. All of a sudden, night before, this guy, Brett Morin, Brett Morin is just drinking at the bar, just happens to be there. The guy's got three Netflix specials. Yeah. So the book or the club is in a
0: show in a Netflix show.
1: Yeah. And a show. He's got a TV show. He's got a podcast with Chris D'Elia. It's fucking crazy. So he's huge, like an enormous comedian. Fuck Chris D'Elia now. Yeah. He's in trouble. (laughs) We'll get to that later. But dude, so the booker of the club is like, do you want to come through tomorrow night? And so he calls me, he goes, Hey, Brent Morin's here. Do you mind if he does a spot in your show? I go, of course I don't mind if he does a spot in his show. So he comes by. Did you
0: know him by name at that point?
1: I was talking to him a bit before. Okay. He does like 40 minutes on my show. And so by the time I get up, everybody's been in the seats for almost two hours. Everybody's a little anxious. I was kind of hammered. It didn't go as good as I wanted it to go. So I got 10 good minutes out of it. I wanted to put the whole thing on YouTube as like a mini special. I got 10 good minutes. I go, fuck it. What am I going to do with this? I just say TikTok. I post it on TikTok. Yep. First one doesn't get any traction. I go to sleep. It had somehow escalated like 2,000 views. I'm freaking out. I wake up the next morning, still at 2,000. All of a sudden, it's at 10,000. I'm like, interesting. Me and my friend are sitting here drinking. We're going like, we're day drinking. It's a Saturday. We're ripping it up in San Francisco. I'm like, I'm at 10,000. Cool, fuck yeah. So we're like, let's go get brunch. So we go to go get brunch. I'm like, country club brunch. I'm sounding like a complete fucking douche back here, but whatever. <laughs> We're walking to brunch. By the time I get to brunch, 25,000. By the time we leave brunch, 100,000. By the time I go to bed, 200,000. I wake up in the morning, half a million. I'm like, what the fuck is going on?
0: I remember you calling me because I remember you being like, TikTok's bullshit. And I don't get this algorithm because like some fucking beer bong drinking shit. I 2,000 views. Yeah, right off perform better. And you were super deflated about it. And then I remember you being like, I'm just kidding. I, I fucking blew up. Dude, and then watching it, it was like I would refresh it every three hours on my end, and I'd be like, holy shit, Joe just got another
1: 400,000 views. Dude, so it was crazy. The second one I posted, I posted it, and 15 minutes in, I'm at like 50,000. And I go, I, I got to stop looking at this. I go to the gym for an hour. I come back three-quarter million. So they ended up being, one of them ended up being the most viewed clip on TikTok ever. So then I've got 25 million views. I've got like a quarter million followers. I'm jacked up. And then one co- of yours was the most viewed Stand up clip of all time. Oh, stand up. Okay. Uh, yeah, but that's insane, dude. Insane. It's fucking crazy. And how
0: many followers did you get
1: out of that? Like, like- a quarter mil. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm getting geared up. I'm like, fuck. I'm going a fucking tour. This is gonna. Dude, be Did you crazy. have to be a
0: 15 year old girl half naked to get that many?
1: It was crazy. Fucking views. I wasn't expecting it. And then I'm ready to go. I'm like, I'm going a tour. We're starting to gear up. I'm starting to get plans. I'm talking to clubs in Phoenix. Talking to clubs in like Wichita, Kansas. I'm like, let's fucking go. Yeah. Covid hits done 320 shows last year six in the last six months crazy it's such a bummer but i'm like basically what i'm trying to do right now is i've got to figure out something where we climb out of the gutter because i'm looking at what schultz is doing and it's amazing and i felt like i wasn't like fully capitalizing on what i could be doing because this is an opportunity so what is
0: the opportunity like how are you going to hone your craft given that you can't like this is a a live in-person thing stand-up
1: I think it's not the craft of stand-up that we can be working on right now. I think it's just like, I got to do something else. Like I got to be dialed in on the podcast. I got to focus in on the podcast. I got to make videos and stuff, or I just got to fucking do something else. Cause the thing was, I was looking at it and I was like, fuck man, I haven't written a joke. I haven't done stand-up in the last two months, right? I haven't done anything. I recorded two podcasts. I haven't made any new videos and I'm calling myself a professional comedian. That's a fucking joke, yeah. right? I get laid off on Friday and all of a sudden the fucking fires back. Like I woke up Saturday morning. I wrote for two hours. I recorded a podcast. I sat down. I called you. I'm like, all right, we're talking about doing this podcast. We're fucking doing it Monday. Here we are. Like, so I'm ready. I want to get new videos out. I want to make new shit. And I'm, I, I really think I needed a kick in the dick. Like you need to get fucked up every once yeah. in a while and just like have life. Just go, Hey, shithead, <laughs> we're taking all of your money <laughs> and you got to start over. And here we are.
0: Yeah. I love it. I mean that that is the attitude, right? You get, What was uh I heard a phrase the other day. Failure is not getting knocked down. Failure is not getting back up.
1: Totally. By the way, the dips giving you a lisp. By the way, just a heads up. Big time. Big time lisp. So,
0: just so everyone knows this is not uh this is not me. This is the uh this is the dipper.
1: I'm straight up petrol. Well, I mean it's hard, man. I haven't dipped in it's tough, dude. you go going years. top shelf on it. On By the way, shelf. this isn't, in case mom and dad are listening, I still have quit dip. These are nicotine replacement pouches, but I chew them like a dip because that's just how we roll. This but, is how
0: you should think about it, Mr. and Mrs. Begley. It's the jewel of dipping. Dude, you know what's fucked up? Therefore, that- it's just as
1: evil everybody says like you're going to have business thoughts and if you don't capitalize on them they're not real businesses and what does it matter but i had that thought where i go like there's jewel there's going to be some sort of jewel dip and i was like maybe i should come out with a product that's like dip but it's just nicotine And
0: here you are using it right now
1: here we are you know what's fucking hilarious about this shit to me too about the jewel is like cigarettes are cigarettes right yep and american spirit is supposed to be healthy because it's no chemicals, and just nicotine, right? Yeah, it's a bunch of bullshit. And then Jewel claims to be healthy because it's just chemicals. <laughs> it's no just tobacco. the chemicals, no tobacco. Yeah. yeah, so they're just like different pieces of the cigarette separated out completely. It's like both of you are completely full of shit. <laughs> it's so you true. You put them together, it's the full product, you know? It doesn't make any fucking sense at all. It's so true. It's so true. The Jewel is the devil incarnate, dude. I fucking hate the Jewel. Do you
0: still have one? Oh, no, 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 I, no. I, I, got rid of it a long time ago, but every time I see someone with one, I'm like, yo, let me get a a quick quick rip for that bad bad boy. Have
1: you taken any COVID shared jewel rips? Because I have.
0: You mean during COVID? Yes. Not with someone I know that has COVID.
1: No, but not someone you know but like have you asked a friend for a rip of their jewel during COVID? Have you been like, I shouldn't ask for this, but I'm going to ask.
0: Literally since day one. Yeah. (laughs) I was out of New York, back here. Pat and Spence came over. Lord knows what they'd done. I was like, yeah, we're all quarantining together. Uh, let me take a rip of that jewel.
1: I actually spoke with Dr. Fauci personally, and he said to share jewel rips because that prevents COVID. He, so also, s- really good. he
0: also said you still don't need to wear a mask, so.
1: Hell yeah, brother.
0: Uh, the, the You public are the fucking sheep.
1: The sheeple, dude. It's okay. You know what? I'm down with wearing masks and shit, but I just wish there was like a little fucking consistency every once in a while, right? With, with I, the public or with yourself? With just people, just fucking yeah. everybody, because like, Dude, I it's it's wild to me that like people are getting lectured about fucking wear masks and shit, and then there's I, I I have a friend right, and she goes, she goes out on this trip, and she goes and she travels to a place that has no fucking cases of COVID, right? Yeah, picks up COVID while she's there, and she's <laughs> like,
0: but yeah, it's. It, Based on what you just said, it's impossible to have done that.
1: So it's not impossible. What happened was tourists started going to this place and the tourists gave it to each other and gave it to all the locals and the kick-up happened while she was there. And she's like, oh, these fucking assholes in this state, everybody, it's a red state, they're not wearing masks. And it's like, hey, if the tourists from the other hotspot states had never gone there, this wouldn't have been a problem. They don't need to be wearing fucking masks. They need your fucking asshole selves to not show up in their state and give all of them COVID. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. I don't get how people who are going on vacation during all of this feel the need to lecture other people. It's like, dude, okay, if you're somebody and you're sitting at your house and you're being good and you're following all the fucking rules and you're like, I really wish everybody outside were wearing a mask, God bless you, okay? Yeah. If you followed everything and you're a goody-goody and you've done it all, feel free to yell at me for not wearing a mask when I get it out of my car and I'm going to donut, Dunkin' Donuts and I haven't put it on yet. Yeah. But if you're some fuck that's going on vacation and you're fucking doing all this other shit and you're meeting up with people and you're going to lecture somebody for not wearing a mask. Sincerely from the bottom of my heart, go fuck yourself. Like it's so wild to me. Yeah. I don't get it. I mean, it's amazing, but I think the the, the psychological
0: thing is people are fucking done regardless of what the government says, the state says, whatever people are fucking done. quarantining, man, people are going to live lives. It's guys. over. People are going to live their lives. And all that's happening is what the norm for Asia has been for fucking ever now, not forever, but, you know, for the, the last few decades, mm-hmm. is now our new norm. Yeah. So I kind of get it in that these people just have gotten used to the norm real fast, and they're like, look, people need to go on vacation. People need to fucking get out of their house. Totally. People need to go places, but people just need to wear their fucking mask. People. Now, I agree, the, the blame is placed in the wrong place because it's not the fucking locals, it's the other hooligans. So
1: everybody coming in and doing come all this in, shit.
0: Yeah, and come in and do that. But I get it. Like, look, everybody should just be wearing their fucking mask. I just
1: like this Asian culture thing. And I saw this a lot when I lived in China. And it's, it's a big thing in China. If you have a cold and you go to your house, when you have the cold, as a sign of respect for your fellow peers, you wear a mask to yeah. prevent other people from getting sick. Yeah. And I think that's fucking wonderful, right? If you're sick and you go out of your house, prevent other people from getting it. But it's like, dude, if you're not having any fucking symptoms, at the end of the day, at some point, we got to go back to normal. And what scares me, and again, I don't know who's right and who's wrong about this. I don't know what the right approach is. But I think it's nuts that people are like just sort of down to do this till 2025.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But you you know, back to the Asian culture part real quick. I remember Mm -hmm. being so disgusted with a couple people in an office that I worked in Mm -hmm. that – were shitting on the one Chinese girl that mm. was in this office space because she would wear a mask when she came in. And I understood, like, no, you wear it when you have a cold and it's to protect others.
1: It's really cool. They, it's a really cool fucking thing yeah, to but do. Yeah,
0: but first of all, they just misunderstood. And they're like, oh, she like, doesn't think we're clean? Like, fuck her. Um, which yeah. is like, okay, try to understand a little bit better. And then two, it would like make fun of her.
1: It's ridiculous.
0: And I was so disgusted. And my favorite part of all of this is, as you know, I'm a conservative. These were like the most hardcore Democrats ever. Yeah. And all 45 plus year old white women. And I'm like, you guys are the most xenophobic, the most culturally insensitive. Completely insensitive. And you're the ones that are like, and Trump is fucking evil and he's destroying the world. And I'm like, check your fucking privilege here
1: yeah i mean dude I, it's i agree completely and honest honest to god i fucking i do not like trump i don't fuck with that me guy either. One he's bit. a fucking idiot i'm not a huge fan of his actually i'm not a fan period but you are right dude i mean i've seen some of my fucking liberal friends really blanket shit on people that they don't understand and i think the, the whole problem to me like honestly comes down to a lack of understanding of people's fucking peers right like, people get wrapped up in these bubbles where there's just, like, they they literally only fuck with people that have the exact same viewpoint as mm-hmm. them. You know, you actually recommended this book to me, Ray Dalio Principles. who yeah. recommended it to me two years ago. I'm finally getting around to it. That's how I roll. Yep. You recommend something to me. Two, three years later, I'll get around to it. <laughs> Here we are. I'm reading it right now. But he talks about, like, one of his key principles for success in life is you should expose yourself to people who feel differently than you. Mm-hmm. And I think that couldn't be more true, and people don't do that now. What people do, and I had had this, like, big hope for us as a country, like, 10 years ago, because I'm looking at it, and I go, everybody gets their news from cable news networks, Mm -hmm. and the liberals listen to CNN, and the conservatives listen to Fox News, and they get their fucking viewpoints pounded into them, and it's just- Day after day, of, you are correct. Yep. You are correct. Every yep. way you feel about the world is correct. <laughs> and then they go back and they hang out with other people that they fucking agree with. And that's just the way they roll. And I go, the internet's coming around and pretty soon we're going to start getting our news online. Yeah, And people are going to get exposed to different sources of truth and different viewpoints. And people are going to get their news from people they disagree with. And people are going to see their friends online who they disagree with instead the fucking opposite has happened it's become more entrenched because the algorithm only feeds you news that you Mm -hmm. agree with it automatically siphons out people that you disagree with and everybody's even more in their own fucking camps i mean I think the bottom line is people go like, oh yeah, the liberals are like, oh, fucking Trump's an asshole and the right wing is going, oh no, it's these fucking libtards. And it goes, actually, both of you are the exact same problem on the opposite side of the coin. If you would just expose yourself to just maybe the remote possibility that you might be wrong on even one thing, maybe we could fucking get somewhere. Maybe. But
0: here's the thing. Open and honest discourse Mm -hmm. amongst people is not possible anymore. Because I'm convinced that expressing your viewpoint Mm -hmm. openly on an online platform does shit for anyone Okay, because there's no real accountability. Even if you use your real name, your real address, put everything down.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: There's no real accountability because I can't confront you right now and have a face-to-face discussion. That's true. And deal with it.
1: But you can't confront a CNN anchor either. That's the thing.
0: Well, I think this is a separate issue though, because Mm -hmm. before you used to have the media, which was the only glue amongst people and the only way to really disseminate information and interpret information. And for the most part, they were decently responsible people. But then they kind of became irrelevant because you could get shit direct from the source. Think about Donald Trump. He doesn't rely... Yeah, Fox will still parrot all of his party points and all of his administration points.
1: Yeah. But he doesn't... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: he doesn't rely on Fox News to get all of his viewpoints across to the public he's like fuck it i'm gonna do what essentially what brands have said fuck retailers i'm gonna go direct to the consumer through e-commerce he's done the same thing with messaging and said fuck the media i'm gonna go direct to my people direct to my constituents thank you sir with my messages via twitter
1: give the information to the people straight at the source give them straight to the source
0: And so all of a sudden, the media becomes less relevant. And then you've got people talking amongst themselves and social media platforms, et cetera. So what do they do to become more relevant and to get their viewership back? They become more polarized. Well, we just need to be more controversial. People like reality TV.
1: Well, I think that's why, like, we were talking about this the other day, about how Andrew Schultz and Joe Rogan and all these sort of not right or left-wing people, this sort of, I don't want to say dead center, but like a center-left sort of rationalist, a bunch of these people who are just going, I fucking can't stand either side right now. I hate Trump. I hate Biden. And this is the way I feel. And I feel like a lot of very rational people have become so goddamn sick of the left and the right that they're bailing completely. They- I,
0: I actually, in the last two weeks, would disagree now. Okay. I would, I would have said that. But I have seen... Woo! So, yeah. <laughs> Do the same thing. Um, I've seen so many Trump supporters that have been quiet over the last three and a half years crawling out of the fucking woodwork dude Mm -hmm. and swamping everything like every social media network I'm seeing now Trump 2020 fucking posts everywhere and not promoted shit like organic stuff Mm -hmm. so I actually think the DNC and the Democrats in general have been doing a great job being like for the last three and a half years Mm -hmm. everybody's gotta get out and vote everybody's gotta get out and vote we gotta get this monster out right and they've been beating the drum and everyone who fucking is gonna support it has fucking said they're going to support it by now. Totally. Meanwhile, the silent majority of Trump's camp have been dead fucking silent. And the DNC and the, and the Dems are like, look, we're
1: going to win it. We're going to win it back. Everybody wants this. Look, they're calling it the guarantee again. And they did like, not even, learn from their mistake at all. Like,
0: here's the big fucking mistake. Because there's been so many silent conservatives, they're like, even the conservatives are all switching. They're yeah. all going to vote for Biden. And I'm like, eh, as of the last two weeks, They were all just keeping their fucking mouth shut and they're here.
1: Well, I'll tell you, like, for a fact, I personally know, I think I know one or two guys who voted for Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election that switched to, or one or two guys that voted for Donald Trump that have bailed out of the fucking right wing and have come aboard and been like, I'm getting behind Biden. This guy that I like is a fucking asshole. I'm not with him. And I know countless people who were left-wing Bernie guys, not not so many Hillary guys, but countless people who were, like, left-wing Bernie guys that are now jumping on the Trump train. Really? I'm not saying I'm one of them. I'm definitely not, but I know a fuckload who are sick of this shit because it's, dude, it's all turned with this election. I mean, with with what's happened in the last few months, we've got issues that are coming up that were never part of the list. Like, for me, for example, you look at, like, the way I feel about the world, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I go, okay, well, um, I support gay marriage. I support the legalization of all drugs. I, I really think that abortion should be legal. I also think that we should have a universal basic income. I think that universal healthcare is a really good idea. And they go, there's a few issues where if you push back in one way or the other, you say like, I disagree on just one thing. Mm-hmm. I said, I disagree just one thing with you guys. They go. You're not one of us, man. You're a bigot. You're, well, I, I I actually disagree. We're talking on about one, like being a Democrat. Yeah, I'm talking about being a just not a Democrat, but a left winger, yep. right? Where I talk to my friends, and this is especially true in San Francisco, where you're like, I'm down with it. Like, I'm i pro reparations, man. Yeah. You, you disagree on one issue, all of a sudden you're not on board with the rest of the party, and you're fucking gone. That doesn't make how does how does that make any sense? I think that's also partly a function of. Living fucking in San Francisco?
0: California. Yeah. Who are these fucking people? It's like the fucking liberal Mecca, right? And and look, they've only fucked themselves so much. Like, California's so stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to have so many fucking issues. Like, dude, shit's just not being sold in California anymore. Uber and Lyft have both been like, hey, California, you're going to tell us that all of our employees, oh, in your fucking utopia world, you're burning debt pile of a shit state that you guys cannot run properly because you By want to. By the way to- I just want to say I
1: think California is beautiful it's not a shit state but it's also a piece of shit. at the same. I way. love California too yes. it's beautiful. It's fucking crazy. And it's amazing. San Francisco is and- the most gorgeous city on earth despite what, San- what what fucking Donald Trump says. It's ugly but anyway sorry I'm cutting you off and like the a people, motherfucker.
0: And the people are great look uh, there's so many great things about California it's governed so fucking poorly Horribly. and it's partly Horribly. because
1: everybody wants to live in it. Because a- Newsom's a fucking idiot and people want to live. Same problem with New York with de Blasio
0: people want to live in a fucking dream world yeah, over there. And a fucking utopia. And the reality is, okay, look, you got to balance your fucking state budget. I know we're doing a terrible job on the federal side, but balance your fucking state budget and stop burning money constantly. Like, it's just such a poorly, poorly run state. And I forget what kicked this off because I had a point to make here and I can't fucking
1: remember. Oh, no, that's it. okay.
0: Um, California... Why did we start talking about California?
1: Because we were talking about how um, some things in this country have been so horribly mismanaged that there might not be a way back. No, that wasn't what we were talking about.
0: And I, we were talking about something and then I said, I think that's just a function of California.
1: Oh, oh your how, friend's saying. Um, my, me being in a bubble where I say I disagree on one issue. Right, right, right. And Even though what, I wouldn't say which issue that was because I'm a pussy ass bitch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think it really is, man. A lot of it is a function of just being in California. People are so liberal there. Like they're so detached from reality.
1: And dude, I, I think it like, it really is a function of society as a whole too, because I have a lot of Trump supporter friends as well. And if you say that you will not be voting for Donald Trump in this election, they fucking want to burn you at the stake. It's crazy. And that's, and that's crazy to me too, because
0: I'm also just like, why? Why? The people care so much.
1: Yeah. Ooh. How's that truly? So Jay's never really fucked with the Trulies before, but we're getting yeah, it. this one. Not as good. Not as good. The black cherry is really hits you like a truck. You didn't have a black cherry you had a wild berry. Oh, uh, the wild berry hits you like a truck. So the wild Berry's is phenomenal. The blueberry and acai is good. This is my third place. That's my last place out of this pack.
0: Oh, really? The, the raspberry lime. Sorry. Yeah, it's still, should, no, it's still pretty good. It's should got you good. something better. No, it's still, you know, it's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, it's bothering me a little bit from a marketing perspective poorly um, printed the the
1: uh, wrappers. As a Sam Adams stockholder, I would like to say that I think it's the best-looking can in seltzer.
0: Look how blurred that is. It's a misprint.
1: Okay, well, Jay has a misprint of a can. Look at this one. Look at this absolute beauty right here. Yeah, just is, is clean. You could probably sue them for starvation if you said it was blurry and you thought it was a 1,000 calories and you could live off it for the day.
0: You know what? I you know. Should, you
1: I should know. Pass out and sue Sam Adams. I
0: unfortunately know some uh, attorneys that would take that case.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, I do just, not Does one say. of their names? Was <laughs> <laughs> one of their names rhyme with Ike Petro?
0: <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that. Mm.
1: Dude, so um, I've, I've actually been talking to your brother a lot because I've become friends with this other guy on uh, TikTok. Shout out Attorney Tom, total homie. He's oh, yeah, he's a lawyer on TikTok? 27 years old. He's the same age as us. He might actually be 26, and he's a personal injury lawyer, and he made a TikTok sort of as a joke, and he's got like half a million followers <laughs> now just because he's just been fucking around. making. What, what
0: the hell does this guy do on his so TikTok? So he
1: just talks about weird law cases online. So he'll pull up some weird case and he just discusses it. Is it the- interesting? Yeah, he's fucking. He's kind of funny. Like he's funny. He's interesting, and people really get into it. And hey, man, you can't you can't knock success mm. if he's got an audience. You can't knock shit. success. And this is the fucking weird thing. Like to go on a total tangent, but this is the way that I feel about the world that we're living in right now because it's such a conundrum to me. I think social media is completely ruining a lot of people's lives. And I think the internet has destroyed so many people's psyche to the point of no repair. But at the same time, I also think there has never been a point in human history where a personal injury lawyer, just some guy who's just got a cell phone, can turn himself into one of the biggest personal injury lawyers on planet Earth via just posting videos about shit that he finds interesting. Same with me in stand-up. Same with me in my fucking coding career. None of this happens for me without the internet. Every single transaction in both of those vehicles was basically created by the internet and I don't get to where I'm at without it. So I've got a weird relationship with both of those things, if that makes any sense.
0: It makes perfect sense. But I I also think part of the paradigm shift here is if you have a view of reality that does not deeply include the internet and the digital world, you don't have a view of reality anymore. And there used to be a case to say you might be more deeply connected with reality by ignoring the digital world. And ignoring everything that was kind of internet-based. But today, sitting here on September 7th Mm -hmm. of 2020, I can say with great confidence, if you ignore the unseen world that exists and that we've built, you are ignoring reality. Completely. And that's a crazy thing to be able to say.
1: It's nuts. Have you ever gone outside at the end of a day, like after you've worked on your computer all day and just looked up and like looked at the room that you're in and just been like, I'm in this room right now. Like, like, oh, take, yeah. take a second. And just realize like, like we're sitting below the chandelier. Like I've gotten so like connected to the device that I'm in that I don't even recognize the physical space that I'm in
0: anymore. Well, I also think what's really amazing is how, how abstracted the body has become. Yeah. Like the body is literally the vessel that gives you life. Totally. Right? Literally, you can't be on this earth without a and functioning
1: I, body. I dump nicotine and Trulies into that motherfucker. And but just not, let even, it but rip, not even
0: that, dude, because you're, you're, like, you're a functioning human being. But yeah. how about the fucking gamers,
1: and we know them, that have spend 16 hours a day if they had the day to themselves. And we know some that used to be phenomenal athletes and just fucking <laughs> sit around and play fucking video Oh, yeah, but every video game.
0: free moment they had that was not scheduled for one of those things was in front of a fucking screen living in a digital world. I
1: think the attractiveness of being completely rejected from reality and not like taking any piece into it is like, is is gonna become more and more attractive as time goes on. The, just being attracted to the idea of not spending any time in the physical space that you're in and being spent like in VR or attracted to a screen is only gonna grow stronger. I mean, dude, I think we're really lucky, Jay. I think we, you and I sort of hit this golden age where we're at the beginning of the gold rush here when it comes to technology. Right? Oh, yeah. The internet bubble was nothing. The dot com bubble was nothing. It's nothing compared to what's (laughs) about to happen. And I think you and I are in a very special space in that we got to live in this world where we were talking to your dad on the phone earlier of this world where we're in swim meets and we're running around and there's no phones and there's no nothing. And it was sort of like this blissful thing when I look back Mm -hmm. on it. But we got to experience that. And then we got to gradually transition into this digital world, right? So we've sort of got a foot in both camps. Whereas uh, if you look at whatever you call it, Gen Z or the TikTok generation, some of these kids are just broken fucking people, man. Well, uh, you know what? They're I mean, just fucked.
0: It, you can define it very clearly now. I would say it was, we were born,
1: for everyone listening, if you're listening, God bless your soul. Uh, we were born- We love you. Don't ever leave us. <laughs> subscribe to both podcasts. Creature of <laughs> Habit on iTunes. The Alchemy, maybe under a different name. We'll see. Let's go. Um, we were
0: both born in 1993, right? Yes, sir. You're a 93 baby. And I would say probably the four years
1: after us. So until 1997, 1998. I know, dude. My sister's born in 98, and it's a... Dude, they're in a different fucking world, man. Holy shit. Okay, so probably the three years underneath us, the 96. Are yes, th- because Pat Pat Patrick is three years younger than me, Pat Bagley, and then yeah. Nina's five years younger okay. than me. Okay. So Patrick, I think... Is less connected to technology than even me, and we more or less exist in the same plane. Nina and I do as well, but Nina's way more glued to the phone than I am. That also might be because she's a 22 year old girl, (laughs) but it it's also because I think her generation's in a different headspace.
0: Beautiful. So that's the definition right there. Yeah. So so 96 is like the cutoff. The cutoff line for the the last generation that actually grew up with anything. I would actually, I guess we define it as a digital native life. Because anyone after 96, anyone born in 97 essentially grew up in a digital native life. See, By the time a- they were out of infancy, they were able to have a fucking phone or a smartphone mm-hmm. and be in that world.
1: So you got to talk to Harry Land on the phone soon because he's a school teacher. He teaches middle school English. So he teaches 12 and 13 year olds or actually just 13 year olds. And I was like, oh, 13 year olds. I've been a 13 year old before, you know, like I just sort of like put myself in the 13 year old camp. And he's like, Joe, you don't understand. These kids were born in 2007. (laughs)
0: Like the iPhone came out the year they were born.
1: (laughs) I was like, oh my God. Like So then I started thinking about it and he was explaining to me like, sort of some of the differences between our culture and their culture. Um, And he's like, dude, it is, they're only born 14 years after me, but it's as if they were born 48 years after me. Because the difference between us and them is like the difference between somebody born in 1950 and 1990. Um, Maybe if not more, he's like, I've got more in common with my parents than I do with some of these kids because it's just like some of the hobbies that these kids have and some of the things that they're into. He's like, me and Harry bonded because we were music nerds. You know, we're both very into indie rock and that's what we fucking like. Mm -hmm. We love it. Yeah. We like running. And we, we got along on those topics and he's like, there's no music nerds in this generation. There's very few, like there's very few people who are like, I'm going to go to a music festival. I'm going to vibe. These are the bands I listen to. I'm going to fucking get into it. And he's like, that just doesn't exist anymore. And that's sort of depressing, dude. It's, it's really fucked up because, I think like the, the true definition of depression is thinking you've got nothing good coming towards you. Right. Yeah. yeah. And nothing good in the future. And one thing that's really fucked me up lately is I'm really worried that we're sort of like at the end of a generation that can like attain any sort of level of happiness. And that's geeking me the fuck out, man. So, so
0: here's something though that maybe will make you feel better. Maybe it won't. Mm-hmm. I have always loved technology. I've always really loved technology, and I totally fell in love with technology. I wish I could remember the exact year, but I was young.
1: You were always into tech. You always but, had the new shit. You always wanted it. But it was pre
0: two thousand seven for sure. So mm-hmm. maybe like two thousand four, and I got on my own computer. Ooh! Like my dad and my brother went away on some trip. Like first, I think he was going to water polo camp, and my dad was dropping him off. And we God, my, were so white. Yeah, and my uh, it, we are super
1: white. Um, just so you know. Uh, I grew and, up on a country club on the course. <laughs> and it was an ice hole with a, with a, with a fucking body of water and a fountain. You Fucks. All right, go on. So sorry.
0: anyways, they're on this trip and I, I forget why I was, but I was in the mall with my mom. And I think she was like, Oh, um, like let's go stop by Apple. And we were just like in Apple. And I don't know what the fuck the context was, but for some reason she was like, we should get you this computer. And it was like a really sick iMac. It was like the best iMac you could get. And I was like, oh my God, I don't deserve this. But yeah. And we, we brought home that computer that day. Mm-hmm. And that completely changed my life. Because one, it gave me access to the internet. Two, it's a Mac and an iMac. So it gave me access to like iMovie and all these tools that were like super new but super. Like, oh, uh, <laughs> but anyways, I I had just discovered what It was, and we made, like, all these cool home videos, uh, like me, Pat, Mike, etc., like, film these funny videos out in the backyard, and, like, we were super creative, Mm -hmm. and we were really pushing the bounds of, like, what we could do as kids and consumers using technology, and that totally um, changed my view of, like, the world, I think, Uh having that opportunity, and that's why I always, like, have a really fun place for Apple in my heart because I never felt that way using my parents' Windows computers, right? And never mm-hmm. never once felt like I had the freedom to create the it never felt
1: like you were in the driver's seat and you could just make shit off the fly. Like, exactly. Like, back in the – okay, so we have a unique experience with this because we – you were ahead of it before me, but our high school mandated that we have Apple computers. And so it's 2007, we're 14 years old, and you get thrown into the driver's seat with a computer that comes stock with iMovie, mm-hmm. iPhoto, all of that shit – itunes off the boat where it's a computer that's designed to write create stuff and just make things happen yeah and that was it, it sounds standard for any computer now but at that time it was a revolution Right? totally
0: totally and to kind of wrap this up where i was going with no this don't is, wrap it up keep it fucking running baby so where i was going with this though is that i had all these amazing experiences with technology and i realized what was possible with technology but then like really crazy shit started happening and that's when we got the original iPhone. Insane. And like the new MacBook Pro was really amazing. Yeah, I sent
1: you that video or I posted that thing where it was like basically Steve Jobs unveiling the first iPhone. It feels like it's a different fucking planet when you oh, watch yeah. that video.
0: Oh, yeah. And I remember at
1: that time, dude,
0: we watched the keynote um, like me, my mom, my brother. And my brother was the one that was like really gung ho on Apple and was like, this is going to change the world. And I remember my mom was like, oh, well, I'll come look at it, too. And she had. But in the business world, so she was familiar with Blackberries and Palm Trios and all that kind of crap, and always had a lot of those tools. Yeah. And then when she was looking at the keynote, she was like, "Holy shit! Like that's a game changer." And my brother was ended up being like one of the first fucking people in our area that
1: had an iPhone. You still could have bought Apple stock for the equivalence of ten bucks a share back then too, which is Uh, fucking crazy.
0: Within two thousand seven, I actually bought a bunch of Apple
1: at the at the eighty dollar mark before it got priced. No,
0: it was one twenty seven.
1: Oh, my God. For reference, by the way, you're like, oh, that's a 4X return. But no, there's been a few stock splits in there. So that's actually a a 28X return. I I would have to look at my portfolio, but it's like triple. You were buying stocks when you were fucking 13? Yeah.
0: I got my first first portfolio at 12.
1: Dude, good for you.
0: Yeah. I mean, good for my parents because they're the ones that were like gung-ho on it. It was an important thing to learn early. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, But anyways... The thing that was really fascinating to me was by the time we were like, you know, in 2010, I was intrinsically incredibly frustrated with technology. I was like, the iPhone is... Now that I saw the possibility, I was like, it's just not far enough. Like, when they didn't work... It was still
1: basically just a flip phone with a few extra... With a camera and some extra And like this
0: amazing technology of capacitive touch and all of that when you really rip it down. And it like felt magical and it was magical. But I was like... Where the fuck are the apps? And, like, I remember me and Serge back in 2007 um, really critiquing the shit out of Apple. So
1: they dropped the App Store in 11, right?
0: It wasn't until, like, iOS 3 or iOS 4 that there was um, the App Store. It came later, and it it took a while. Um, And I remember really craving that because they had web apps at first. And it's so funny because now we're doing everything in web apps, Uh, but the Internet's a different beast now but i just remember being really frustrated with the the limits of technology back then and now for the first time ever after 14 iterations of the ios technology after all of these different generations of mac os and after all of the crazy changes with general networking um cloud computing etc i finally feel like we're at a point where like i feel okay with the state of
1: technology so like if you could So in 2010, right, I remember, like, looking at my Xbox and being like, what the fuck is the next generation going to be like? And I was thinking, like, oh, it's going to be better graphics and stuff. And now it's, like, almost to the point where it's, like, human realistic, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what's on your wish list? For what's next? For what's next. Like, what do you fucking actually want? Standard standardization. Okay. Like,
0: there's too many standards right now. So I think what's frustrating me most about the world right now And what we have in terms of capabilities is that companies are fighting too hard and they're not giving consumers the advantages that they need to really live their lives well. And a great example of this is the digitization of the home. And so if you were like a Disney fan and you grew up in the era that Joe and I grew up in, which is like the early 90s, uh, we were born. Yeah. You remember like the Disney movie Smart Home where there was this like, Super smart home. And this, by the way, this home was like a total fucking pipe dream. Nothing like this existed. Maybe if you were Bill Gates. And the home, you could talk to it. It was just like fucking the Siri voice. And the thing ended up like taking over the house. And.
1: Which is a great metaphor for artificial intelligence.
0: But now we have all of these accessible tools, right? We have voice assistants. were like such a pipe dream back. Even in 2011. Now, nine years later. Mm -hmm. They're amazing. Um. You have Siri, you have Alexa, you have Cortana, you have whatever the fuck. That's uh, Microsoft. Um, I don't know what else is out there, but there's other ones. Bigsby, if you're Samsung. All these great voice assistants that are super powerful. And you've got all these great home ecosystems. Apple Home, Google Home, Alexa with all of they its They all compete skills. with each
1: other and they don't work well with each other. And they
0: all use different standards. I think the most frustrating thing in the world right now is you can buy a camera system from one place, And they don't support the same standards that Nest does, which is owned by Google, which doesn't support the same standards that Alexa does, which is the most agnostic by far.
1: Which one is that, Alexa? Alexa. They'll take anything.
0: Pretty much take anything. Because they just want to sit in the middle and then have you buy more Amazon ship. So fucking crazy. It's crazy. And they all have different business models. And they all explain their kind of approaches with their ecosystems and with their hardware approaches. And then you have Apple that like, is the wall the garden and I think is going to lose in the smart home arena because it's, it's a game to being the most open. It's a race to being the most open in my personal uh, and humble opinion. But I, if, if I had one wish right now, <coughs> it would be 5G gets fully rolled out mm-hmm. so we have that bandwidth just across the board and that we continue to push forward with better bandwidth and better networking and laying better cable to different places so that everyone can get on, you know, Full gig internet—that would be amazing. And then, secondly, um, continuing to push push everything t- towards the cloud and creating standards that allow us as we push towards the cloud to build together, versus build apart and then see who wins, mm-hmm. because there's so many resources being wasted right now. I think also if you're an environmentalist well, or anyone that's what that cares, you need,
1: though, you need some sort of camp competition, right? Like how would, um, how would everybody go into the same standard like affect competition? I think it, would, it might actually make things more open now that I think about it, right?
0: Well, it actually creates better competition, mm. right? Because if everybody can... It doesn't pl- create
1: a single winner at the end of the day.
0: It doesn't create a single winner at the end of the day and also consumers now don't feel locked into a single system. So right now, if you're like, I need to build a smart home, which I'm doing right now, that fits in with HomeKit, Apple's HomeKit system because all of my users are Apple users. There's only competition within that ecosystem, within that fixed world of those who support Apple HomeKit. And then same thing is true for Google, and then Alexa there's more competition, etc. If they were all open ecosystems and they all followed the same standard, then there would be completely open competition amongst the hardware producers that are actually saying uh, here's the best camera and here's mm-hmm. the best whatever. Like You shouldn't have to buy a camera. You shouldn't have to buy a security system because it works with one piece of software versus another. You should buy the one that's the absolute best for your family. And then hope and make sure that it works with the whatever yeah, system.
1: Versus having to buy the one that works within your ecosystem. Exactly. Got it. And
0: say, oh, it's the best within my ecosystem. But is it the best? And is there really open competition if there's different walled worlds within within which they're competing,
1: well, Amazon's got a whole other leg up when it comes to that too, in terms of being able to dictate the system because they own Amazon Web Services, and that's that's an entire different game that people don't even understand. The average American doesn't even know that exists. Well, let I alone think understands how it works.
0: I agree with you, but I think they don't have a, a huge advantage there in that Microsoft Azure and Google Cloud are the exact same things. I think we're- a- Can
1: I tell you something crazy though? Amazon Web Services has more presence in that space than Apple, Google, and, and Microsoft combined.
0: Totally, totally. And their size is huge, nuts. but in terms of actual differentiation in business, I don't think that's a big enough point, just market share. Mm-hmm. What I think is the big enough point is that if you're not going to buy something from a- uh, Amazon, they're still going to make money because the chances are you're going to buy from someone else through Amazon. Yeah. So in the example of like a smart home, let's say you don't buy a ring system. You go buy someone else's system. You're probably still going to buy it through Amazon. And so even if Amazon's not getting the sale, they're still getting the sale.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: They're still going to make a little bit on the store. Sweet, sweet 30%, man. Whatever it is for the items sold in the marketplace. But it's just it's crazy. Amazon is like the bankers for everything because nothing, essentially no commerce on the internet runs unless it runs through Amazon I mean, you have these, you know, DTC companies that are trying to avoid it, but most of them eventually succumb to Amazon and the beauties. What do you of- think
1: about Shopify? Cause I think that's one of the most interesting businesses out there right now.
0: I think Shopify is so brilliant and I've used it and it's really good. It's
1: fucking perfect. And the thing is, is we're looking for a legitimate competitor to Amazon right now. And I think look no further than right there because it's sort of a standardization, not of the website, but sort of like of the skeleton of the website. So you yeah. sort of know where you are no matter where you go. And they can sort of take care of the logistics and shit. And I think it might actually be a legitimate competitor to them. So much so that my former employer assigned a deal with them to work with them and do all that. it. Interesting. I mean,
0: that's a it's a brilliant point. And I mean, I think. Shopify has created an amazing DTC experience and it's standardized the DTC experience in a lot of ways to make shopping from small companies like shopping from Amazon in terms of ease. The issue I have with Shopify is not actually with Shopify. It's with just the free market. Yeah, Um, And it's not an issue with the free market. It's just one of the flaws, which is you don't get total control. And the, similarly to the way that we all used to bitch about cable costs and we all wanted an app and everybody to break up and be their own separate service because we thought it was going to be the fucking brand new beautiful world and now everybody has their own service and we hate it because we're like triple paying for everything. Mm-hmm. The world of streaming sucks ass. The same thing I think is going to happen to e-commerce. Have you heard of a company called Fast? Fastly. No, just Fast. No. F-A-S-T. What they are is they're going to be a checkout payment option called F- just fast. And what it does is it does all this great stuff on the back end. So it keeps your orders really neat and easy. And you can check out essentially like four times on a single page or a single store and say like, oh, I want to buy these socks. And you can buy those socks and check out within like three seconds because all your information saved and all that good shit. Um, and then you can you know, keep browsing and see something else and be like, oh, I want to order that too. And it's smart enough to kind of like build a delay in and all that so that on the back end, from a fulfillment perspective, even though you just placed four separate orders, they're all going to be bundled into the same order number. You're only going to get one receipt and you're going to pay for them Ooh. in all one lump sum. Um, so, Interesting. so it makes that
1: so wait, you check out on different websites for that.
0: Uh, no, it would be in on the same website. Instead of doing like this, like oh, you start a cart. Oh
1: shit! So it's basically the idea of like uh, not honey, but the one where you find different websites. It's that condensed into one site where it can do the checkout everywhere.
0: And yeah, it can do That's the checkout.
1: Fucking wild! And can Holy do the checkout shit. everywhere.
0: So essentially, what it's doing is it's taking all of the convenience of Shopify, but then making it totally agnostic.
1: Who's in charge? So you of this? could be having. Can you invest in this?
0: Uh, they're I believe they're private right now. Yeah, but it's a super cool concept. So it takes the convenience that Shopify's creating, but it makes it totally store agnostic. So Amazon could use a fast checkout. And every Shopify store could use a fast checkout. And everybody who built their own custom HTML store can use a fast checkout. And they also, the other beautiful thing, is they're doing password saving at the same time. So you also don't have to remember your account for each of these different companies. It's one login. So it's like SSO across all of your e-commerce stores. One one login every wild few.
1: fucking times, dude. I mean, I, and that's the next shot. The nutty thing it. is, we're we're at this point where it's sort of like. Uh, I don't, I don't even know the closest analogy to it, but it's basically mm-hmm. as if we're at the infancy of, in a whole bunch of industries because every single industry is going to be completely reinvented. Yeah, And it's like we're going to see some industries changing pivots happening every single day for the next few years that are going to shake up the landscape until totally. the end of time. Totally. Like think about what happened in the last 13 years, right? Like you're talking about apps not being on an iPhone and that's oh, yeah. only 10 years ago. That feels like a fucking lifetime oh, ago, man. It crazy. just does. But that's only 2010. Like 2010, we we're still sitting in this kitchen doing the same shit. we were just eating pizza with Mr. Yates. Like that's <laughs> that's the only difference. No, it's us. It's
0: insane. It's totally insane how how crazy this evolution has been. And how crazy it's gonna it's just I mean, dude, imagine if off. shit
1: changes as much over the next thirteen years it will. as it did over the last thirteen.
0: More it will change more rapidly because what the last ten years have been doing is laying down the highway, laying down the infrastructure. All of the groundwork that allows the fucking crazy new
1: shit. So we're laying the railroad tracks and now we get to live in a society with railroads and see how shit changes. Exactly. Fuck. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to be crazy.
0: It's it's nuts.
1: It's nuts. Shall we? Shall, we shall. All right. Hey, Jay, fucking love you, brother. This is great. Hell yeah. This is great. First one down. Let's do it. Hey. That was fun as fuck.